Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. I've always been a big supporter of our local chambers of commerce. As a member, you not only become a business insider, but you get to hear from experts you wouldn't have otherwise. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, where I try to find the most interesting people doing the most fascinating work right here in the greater Sarasota area. I started this podcast because I wanted to meet new people, and then I thought, why not share what we talk about with folks just like you? But more importantly, I believe it's essential to hear each other's stories better understand who we are as a community right now and what we're becoming for the future. So every Tuesday and Thursday, you'll hear from neighbors who are just running businesses, writing books, leading our local government, starting a new project, and impacting our town in positive ways. My guest today is one of those experts I recently heard at the 102nd Sarasota Chamber Annual Meeting. I'm happy to introduce Dr. Carrie Zemanski, or Dr. Carrie as she's better known. She's an entrepreneur, business consultant, and stand-up comedian who believes leading through laughter is indeed a leadership skill that is needed in business today. In this episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about Dr. Carey, how she discovered her passion for stand-up, why business leaders should use humor as a management tool, a favorite story Dr. Carey has from her work, why you should reach out to Dr. Carey, and much, much more. Thank you so much for stopping by today. It's my hope that you will listen, that you will learn, but most importantly, connect. Business consultant and stand-up comedian, Dr. Carrie, welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on, and and we have to laugh a little bit. Now, this episode is not going to hit the airways for a few weeks later, but today is election day, so... I'm really glad to have a comedian on the show. I think for for the next 24 to 48 hours, we're going to have to turn to some sort of comedy because gosh knows what's coming. (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. That's that's absolutely true. Because if anything, if anything, today, Washington has become a place of uh, a lot of laughter, a lot of humor. But anyways, I'm glad to have you on the show. We're going to get into not only your background uh, professionally, but we're going to talk a lot about how you use humor in your consultancy and how you found stand-up comedy and its relation to the business world. But before we do that, 
I'm going to ask you my favorite question, which is what is one thing that most people don't know about Dr. Carey? One thing most people don't know is during my 20s, I was a professional tennis pro. I have a, I was a USPTA tennis coach. I coached actually here. I was the director of the Brandon Swim and Tennis Club in Tampa, Florida, coached at the University of Oregon, University of Virginia, coached in um, Chicago. And then as I got older, the hips and the knees said, you're done. So, uh, but for a long time, tennis was really my passion. Absolutely. So, so I, I tell you what, that's rare air. When you look at the rankings in the tennis, the field of tennis and whatnot, I mean, that is a, quite an accomplishment for you to be that type of an athlete. Did you grow up with tennis then? I did. I played tennis since I was eight years old. And I have to tell you the pinnacle of my career. I was also a professor of fashion merchandising at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale where both Serena and Venus went. And Venus uh, Williams was one of my students in one of my business planning classes. So for me, that was just amazing. Oh, wow. They're incredible athletes. They really are. Mm -hmm. Well, give us some broad strokes background um, of your, your career and then really how you developed a passion for stand-up and humor as a management tool. Sure. So I grew up in upstate New York and went to Syracuse University undergrad and studied international relations and French, um, fluent in French, did a semester abroad and wanted to work for the United Nations. And I love when you're 21, 22 years old, you have these big ideas that don't even um, always come true. So I decided to hit the tennis court for a while. Um, felt, you know, followed my passion with that. And that enabled me to get a full scholarship to do my MBA at the University of Oregon. Um, which was a great experience. Loved my MBA program. And my first job out of my graduate program was I was doing marketing and finance for Harry and David. Um, that was an amazing, amazing opportunity. We got to taste uh, chocolate covered blueberries and truffles. And just, you know, I was on a team that built the business plan for all the retail stores, managed the marketing and finance for the company. Then I uh, got an opportunity to move to Chicago to do marketing for Valley Total Fitness, Duty Free oh, wow. Americas, and work for an ad agency. Um, for those of you who are listening that are from the north or anywhere that's cold and snow, that was enough for me. Um, so I packed up my bags after a couple of years and moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, um, where I opened a Design Your Own Purse Boutique. So I've noticed in my career, like I have decades of passion. So I went through tennis um, then I got into business and then I got into fashion. So I opened a boutique called Sassy BB, which you could pick out your style of purse, your fabric, um, your handles, and I would do all the sewing. And I ended up getting a job as a full-time fashion marketing and merchandising professor at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. So um, those two experiences were wonderful. And while I was teaching, I wrote a book called Seduce Your Customers, um, an entrepreneur's guide to help build loyalty. And I went on a national speaking tour. And um, I thought as a professor, I was pretty good at public speaking, but wanted to get more confident on a larger stage. So I signed up for a stand-up comedy class at the Improv in Fort Lauderdale. And um, what ended up happening, I, I did end up speaking. It did help my confidence tremendously, but I fell in love with stand-up comedy. And that's kind of how I've moved into stand-up. And it's amazing how it's helped me in my career. I've gone on to teach for some other online universities, um, work for some nonprofits, and do some business coaching um, for a long time and consulting. Um, and now I do a lot of speaking on leadership through laughter. 
That's incredible. I I have often thought of doing improv myself, being able to think quickly on your feet and in a situation we've all seen it on TV. I think it's What's My Line. I think mm-hmm. it's the the great program on TV. But I don't have I so far I don't have the guts to do it. And I and I actually should have mentioned up front as to how you and I met, which was at the 102nd annual meeting of the Sarasota Chamber of Commerce's uh, meeting there at the Hyatt Regency. And that's where you and I first met. And what I was intrigued by was the fact that your title was leading through laughter. And particularly in this day and age where everything's gotten so serious and both business and politics. And, you know, we see the, you know, all the gobbledygook and the headlines and whatnot. I really appreciated that uh, they brought you in to do that talk. Tell us a little bit more how leading through laughter is really kind of a, a management tool. Um, you know, it's so interesting today. Um, I, I feel like if you turn on the news, if you want to get depressed, turn on the news. Um, we, in the last couple of years, there, we've been through so much uh, with the economy, with COVID, with supply chain issues um, that we've gotten more and more serious. Um, people don't go out as much and humor is so important. Um, they've done studies about workplace stress that 80% of workers feel stress on the job. And a lot of people don't know how to manage stress. Everyone from kids to adults through the two years of, that we went through COVID, um, there's a tremendous amount of stress. The job market right now is amazing, but they, there's a large number of job turnover due to stress. People are, you've heard of the great resignation. People right. are quitting. They're not going to traditional jobs, for example, and retail because they can find they can make the same money, if not more, driving for Uber, doing Instacart, doing their own business. So finding tools to manage stress are so important. And what I found in my career and my personal life that um, comedy has been a wonderful tool, things like exercise, um, walking your dog, talking to a therapist, Painting, listening to music, all great tools. For me, what really helps is uh, watching comedy, performing comedy, watching a funny movie. I, you know, the amazing thing about laughter is it releases endorphins. It makes you feel good. Um, I read a study that um, if you laugh a hundred times in a row, it's the same as doing 10 minutes of cardio on an exercise bike. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm going to laugh more so I can work out. Well, well, you've obviously done a lot of performances. You were at the Fort Lauderdale Improv, Palm Beach Improv, Carlson Comedy Club, Library Comedy Club, Cricket Comedy Club. And you've hosted several comedy shows. What was your very first time you got up and had to do a routine? What was that like? So it was probably the scariest thing I've ever done. People's number one fear is glossophobia, which is public speaking. So this is like a higher level because you're doing public speaking, but you're waiting for a laugh. And when someone doesn't laugh at your joke, that's called bombing. It's the worst feeling in the world. And I took a, after uh, the six week class I took at the improv, they have a graduation show. So you get to perform at one of the best comedy clubs in the country and your friends are in the audience cheering you on. I was the very first person in my class to go because I want to go first. I want to get the nerves out of the way. And I got hooked. It was, you know, I remember the laughter. 
So for me, you know, each time I perform, you know, I love, you know, to test out new material to maybe I'm going to get a laugh. I performed uh, last week and I'm going to say I died. <laughs> it was not one of my better performances at a mic, but I wanted to get up, try a few new jokes. I love the camaraderie camaraderie of the other comics. I love um, hearing the laughter from the jokes, trying new things and, you know, really getting out there and supporting uh, fellow comedians and finding that camaraderie, camaraderie, can't say that word, and joy and laughter. Well, so so how has it helped you in your career? I mean, obviously, there's going to be the self-confidence because, you know, for example, they tell salesmen, saleswomen, it says salespeople, one of the things you want to do is get a lot of no's in your career because once you get over that fear of getting no's to me it seems a lot like bombing as a as a comedian and so you don't become paralyzed by that but it allows you then to move forward yeah i think i could have a future career in sales because i'm used to the no um you know bombing does not feel good but i think what it teaches us as comedians is when you bomb again when no one laughs at your jokes you can go home and cry and eat a box of cookies which is what i normally do but you got to get up the next day you can't quit so it teaches you you know to look was it the way i delivered the line was it the material was it the audience um, so you start to learn and grow. So just like in business, you might bomb at sales. I remember when I had my store and put my business plan together, never did I write down no one was going to walk in day after day. And I had a tough location. So that made me switch from selling purses and doing purse parties to then starting a sewing school, which actually became the larger part of the business. So I think one of the greatest gifts and tools that comedy gives is resiliency. So when you bomb to get back up. And also from a business perspective, you know, bad things happen. We have yet another hurricane uh, or tropical storm that's on right. the way. Yes, so we do. where can you find the humor, find the levity? A lot of it's maybe too soon. But what comedy has taught me is to look for the bright side or, you know, to help support and to uplift people. From a public speaking standpoint, um, it's been amazing. What it's taught me, and I like to talk. I speak multiple languages. I love to meet people. I just like to talk. It doesn't comedy, non-comedy. Um, but for me, it's taught me to be on stage, to look at different parts of the room, to look in the eye, to connect with the audience, to listen to the timing, um, and to really have a conversation. You know, so much, so much of networking and getting out there, people don't do any active listening. As comedians, we have to listen for the laugh, listen for the bomb, listen for the applause. Just like in business, when you're having a conversation, let's say you're selling something, you're listening for the need, you're listening and really building a relationship. So comedians build that relationship with the audience. So um, comedy's also taught me to be motivated. Um, there's no one telling me today I have to write. Um, for example, at a writer's meeting on Sunday, I'm meeting with a co- comedian today to talk about um, writing and working on a couple jokes. Uh, this weekend, I'm working on my set for a show I've got coming up in a couple weeks. So just like in business, if, especially if you're an entrepreneur, there's no one telling you you need to open the door at this hour. You need to Um, make this many phone calls a day, the motivation to be better. And I'm going to be honest with you, at my level of stand-up comedy, I'm not making a lot of money, but I'm so joyful and happy to be out there and to be doing my passion and making other people laugh. It's interesting because my family is very much a self-effacing type family. We try not to take ourselves 
too seriously. And so we do joke about ourselves. I mean, I grew up as a kid with a father very much like that. And I, I've often told the story where I hit a home run on Father's Day with my dad in the stands. But when I ran around the bases, I missed third base. They threw the ball. You had got to hit all the bases, right? So I, so I missed it. To the, when the pitcher got the ball, he threw it to third base, and the umpire called me out. And my father laughed the whole way home. He said, son, you're a chip off the old block, you know. It's a great home run, but you missed third base. But, but you know, as a, as a management tool, then, you know, you have competition. You have all the stresses that uh, comes with being in business. So how can a manager, a department head, or an executive apply a little levity to their management techniques so that they can, you know, retain employees or move their business forward? What, what's a couple of tips there? So a couple tips, you could start off a meeting, you know, uh, whenever we're doing strategic planning, we're thinking about where does the company want to grow in one to five years? And we do some brainstorming. When you're brainstorming, there's no bad idea. But if you flip it and you say, okay, today we're going to brainstorm bad ideas, it makes it fun. It teaches people they can uh, take a risk. Um, you could add more, in, you know, fun to the workplace. Maybe that's a trivia day, uh, a joke of the day or um, adding uh, different types of um, dance parties or um, a kickball game or an awards ba banquet. The important thing to know that in the workplace, it's really about fun over funny and, you know, getting everyone involved. Um, not everyone's a stand-up comedian, maybe doesn't have a great sense of humor, but what everyone can do is laugh. So I think it's providing those opportunities and looking for the lighter side of things and not, you know, if, so, if there's a mistake or something doesn't work, um, you know, to find the levity, you know, your dad, your dad's a great example of, you know, it, you could have felt really bad about what happened. Um, but to be able to laugh it off is amazing. Um, I have a great story about Southwest Airlines. Uh, Southwest Airlines uh, was using a slogan um, just plain smart that was actually uh, already created and being used by um, Stevens Airways. And um, they wanted to have a copyright um, lawsuit, but the two CEOs from Stevens Airways and Southwest Airlines got together. They rented out an arena in Dallas, Texas, and they had an arm wrestling match. And the two CEOs said, okay, whoever wins, they get to use the slogan. So the gentleman from uh, Stevens um, Airlines actually won, and um, they had 5,000 people that attended. <laughs> they wore boxing um, robes. They really made it a fun event. And what this did was it improved employee morale. And in the end, Stevens Airlines, the, the CEO that won, said, ah, for being a good sport, you can use it too. And Southwest Airlines, I think, is such a great example of a company that embraces humor um, they did a study. They found that the more that their flight attendants, their pilots use humor, that people actually fly more. So someone that might take one flight a year on Southwest are now taking 1.5 to two flights per year on Southwest Airlines. Wow. That, that's incredible. It's funny you were talking. I was thinking Richard Branson, a, a Branson Airlines, or excuse me, a Virgin Airlines. I think he went, what was it, uh, jet skiing in a wedding dress, I think it was, or in a <laughs> hot air balloon. So yeah. he's, he's a big one for doing stunts and bringing a little, little levity to, uh, but, but let me use it. Let me use a little bit of a counter perspective. Do, do you not think that it sends maybe mixed signals sometimes to, to the rank and file? I mean, 
how do you make sure that, you know, the, the work still gets done and people take their jobs seriously so that, you know, obviously that, uh, you know, the task at hand is accomplished? Oh, and, and that's important. The Bell Leadership Institute in 2012 did a study and they asked employees, what are the most important characteristics of great leaders? And the number one um, characteristic is work ethic. If people don't have a good work ethic, um, nothing's going to get done. The second, however, most important characteristic is the sense of humor. So by adding a sense of humor after you're a great worker, um, they actually found that trust is increased, teamwork is increased, camaraderie is incre increased in creativity. Harvard Business Review published a study that employees um, that are happy have an average of 31% higher productivity, 37% higher sales, and three times more creative. Wow. So, you know, when we're talking about fun and comedy, really what, what that boils down to is how can we create a happy culture. There's so many corporate cultures that are blame oriented, that are negative, that are nasty. And people leave a job, um, not always for more money, but because they're not appreciated. They don't have, they don't get along with their boss. People want to work for happy cultures. Sure they do. Sure they do. No one wants to have a thumb on top of them. They'd be worried about, you know, the hammer coming down. It's interesting. You know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was the issue of resilience. I'm a big fan of mixed martial arts. I mean, I've never practiced it. I mean, I'm not a mixed martial artist, but I've, as a fan of the sport, I, I think it's incredible because it's like the ultimate one-on-one -on -one, I'm going to beat you. You're going to, or you're going to beat me. And there's all this hype, you know, at the highest level, there's so much hype. There's millions of dollars on the line. There's millions of, of fans, you know, watching you on uh, pay-per-view. And you have to go into that ring and perform. And there's a guy, and he's from my hometown of Cincinnati. His name is Rich Franklin. He's since retired. But he was on top of the world. And right out, excuse me, at one point uh, when he was champion, he's just he's just mowing everybody down. There's a new guy that came on, and his name is Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva out of uh, Brazil. Two straight matches. Anderson comes in and just plows him i mean just really annihilates him and i've often thought you know how as as a as a pugilist as a fighter as a mixed martial artist how in the heck do you bounce back from just being beat down in front of the entire world how do you do that and i mean and it comes back to the whole thing of resilience and then it was it, it it's funny i've often remembered this story and actually, it's a 100-year-old story. It's Jack Dempsey. He was a heavyweight boxer uh, back in the 1920s, and he got knocked out in his heavyweight, uh, in his heavyweight championship. And his wife asked him what happened. He said, honey, I forgot to duck. So, you know, he's <laughs> making and, – and so he's making light of the situation. But, but as far as using an attitude of humor and, and laughter and levity, uh, I mean, what are some other ways that you've kind of seen – you know, using that as a means of being resilient and bouncing back? Well, I think, you know, we can't always be happy and joyful. And when bad things happen, I think it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel bad, but I think there needs to be a time limit on it. And once you go through those feelings and, you know, for me, comedy is a tool to help shift my perspective. Tony Robbins talks about changing your state. 
So if you're in, you know, if let's say sales are down or um, a new product came out and it totally bombed, um, you can feel bad about it, but you get back on the horse and, and analyze why, what could we do differently? So it's really that resiliency muscle that's so important. So it's about getting back up. Nelson Mandela said, don't judge my success by how many times I've succeeded. Um, judge my success by how many times I've fallen down and gotten back up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so now do you have a particular schedule that you keep of how often you want to perform? And not from your business consulting, but your stand up. I mean, to keep yourself fresh and to, and to sharpen your skills. Yeah, um, I generally will perform about once a week, um, whether that's at a mic or a show. I think different times of the year, um, things will kind of bob and weave and change. Excited uh, to be moving into the holidays. Always great to do a, a holiday party for a family event, for a corporate event. Um, it's just, you know, something really nice to do. For me, um, you know, I try to get out at least once a week. You know, Dr. Carey, one of the concepts you talk about is the idea of applause in the workplace. What do you mean by that? So for me as a stand-up comedian, I love getting up performing and having someone tell me, hey, you did a great job, or laughing at my jokes, or you know, getting the applause or the standing ovation. Employees at work really need to be supported. We need to be uplifted. If anyone's worked for a bad boss that maybe loves to put people down, cut people down, the important thing about the applause in the workplace is telling our employees, hey, you did a great job. People want to feel appreciated. You can do that by writing a note, like a handwritten note that says thank you, saying great job, um, not taking the credit for someone else's work, but really lifting that person up, promoting them and applauding the people that we work with, that we work for. It makes such a difference to add that support and you'll start to see the change in the culture as well. I couldn't agree more. Everybody needs an attaboy now and then, that's for sure. Well, so where do you want to take your consulting and your stand-up? So one of my dreams is to do a TED Talk on um, leading through laughter. And, you know, I really want to uh, travel around the country, um, you know, doing speaking engagements, talking about leadership through laughter, doing some executive coaching, um, to really help people and help companies see the lighter side of humor and to improve leadership skills. Again, leaders who embrace levity find that their teams are more creative, um, that they have better sales, better profits, um, and really have a, just a happier work culture. Any more books in, coming up in the near future? Yes, I'm working on a book right now. I'm working on um, 28 Day Humor Journal. Um, ways to add humor to your life. Um, for example, almost every night I watch Seinfeld. I absolutely love um, that show. I, I could see the same episode. I don't, it's that in Law and Order. <laughs> I can watch it 25 times. But, you know, just adding humor to the day, whether that's looking up a, a funny joke, um, I call it the dad joke or having one clean joke in your pocket watching a funny sitcom, a funny movie. One of my tips uh, from my humor journal is to uh, take a look at some pictures that make you laugh and create a file of um, funny pictures. Uh, my youngest brother, when he was maybe three or five years old, I have a picture of him standing on the counter, reaching up to the high, and he's very little, reaching up to get cookies, like late at night in his jammies. And if you remember from the 70s, they had the jammies with the, the sure. <laughs> 
So I had I a pair of those. <laughs> and they were slippery the on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I see that picture, you know, and if I'm having a bad day, I'll pull out my, my file and I'm old enough that I have like the printed pictures. You can create a um, a vision board or, you know, create a files on your computer. But I love to look at pictures that make me giggle or, or friends of mine in college when we, we did something funny or went to a, a funny party or an event or something. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, who should reach out to you and how can they reach out to you? So if anyone would like to reach out, you can find me at drkerrycomedian.com, D-R-K-E-R-R-Y, comedian. I'm also Dr. Carrie Comedian on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can give me a call at 954-881-3611. Uh, you can find me also on LinkedIn, Dr. Carrie Szymanski. I rarely use my last name because a typical Polish last name has more consonants than vowels. And I'm pretty sure it was Szymanski Vlachek <laughs> and they shortened it. And uh, when I lived in Chicago, I'd go get my... Um, hair done. And they're like, Szymanski, we have five. Chicago is the largest Polish uh, community outside of Warsaw. So when I was there, it was great. It was great. Um, Feel free free to give me a call. Find me on email. Um, My email is info at drcurriecomedian.com. Anyone that's interested in doing a a comedy show um, for their friends, family, and corporate, any um, companies that are interested in uh, bringing me in to do a leadership through Laughter Talk, um, any organizations. I've, I've done a lot of talks for chambers, rotary clubs, um, small and large organizations talking about how to laugh it off, leading through laughter. It's really such an important topic that brings people together. You know, the other thing I like on your website there is that you have a 10-day humor journal to help reflect on things that make you laugh and opportunities to find the funny. My goodness, if there's anything that we need today, it's that. So if you go to Dr. Carey's website, you will find that. Enter in your email and you will get a 10-day humor journal. Dr. Carey, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate my listeners. You all have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bob. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. Connect.